Blog Talk Radio. Dr. C. Robert Jones situation. This is Dr. C. Robert Jones, B.A.C. from the College of William and Mary. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson's alma mater, alma mater, and the second, um, the second oldest college in uh, in our country's history behind Harvard. Okay, so listen. Today's date is July 19, 2018. United States of America, planet Earth third planet from the sun. All right, so I had a completely completely different topic in mind for tonight's broadcast, but something happened today. Uh, first thing was that I was sorting my laundry. Mm-hmm. I was downstairs in the, in the laundry room, and I was sorting the laundry, and I, I realized that I almost run out of bleach because I was sorting the laundry, between uh, uh, and 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 I had two piles. I had whites, and I had colors. <laughs> and I thought, I don't have enough bleach for the whites. And so I had the pile of whites and the pile of colors. And I thought, huh. I'll bet there's somebody out there who would find this whole sorted, get it, no pun intended, pun intended, sorted scene 
offensive because I'm sorting whites and coloreds and I'm separating them because they can't mix together because I plan to use bleach. So I can't mix the whites with the coloreds. And okay, but that didn't seal the deal. Until I decided to stop over at one of my favorite Miami, South Florida restaurants that has um, since uh, set up shop here in Georgia, Pollo Tropical. Now, if I were a politically correct person, I'd say Pollo Tropical because I, I want to be doing that whole thing where I speak the language like, like, like when Obama was talking about Pakistan. He'd say Pakistan and then talk and then speak like regular and like um, my girl Ocasio, who when she talks about Puerto Rico, she'll say, well, we're going to go down and we're going to see what's going on. And, we're, and then we'll make a stop in Puerto Rico. And then she'll like go back to being a New Yorker right after she says Puerto Rico in a Spanish dialect. So I was standing in my favorite Puyo Tropical. I don't even know if I said it right. But anyway, in, in Spanish, with a Spanish dialect. But nonetheless, so I'm standing there, and I'm, you know, one of the problems with with Pollo Tropical here in Georgia is that the South Florida, Florida uh, uh, restaurant chain, the chain that you know that's in South Florida that started in South Florida, um, they have Spanish people for the most part preparing the food. So when you order fried, uh, fried plantains, as I call them, or plantains, as someone else might call them, they're a damn like they came from Cuba or Puerto Rico. Um, Cuba is the proper pronunciation, by the way, for Cuba, but it's Cuba. But nevertheless, it's as if you know it came from there because there's people who are preparing. Um, the dish the way that their mothers prepared, you know, plantains or plantains. And the same goes for the rice and beans and, and even the chicken uh, is properly prepared. So, but when Pollo Tropical set up shop here in Georgia, well, they got your average white person you know, or or you or you got a black person back there cooking because you can see who's preparing the food because it's all open back there, so you can see who's preparing. So now, as it turns out, because the food isn't prepared by authentic uh, Hispanics, it's pretty damn bland here in most restaurants. It really is. I mean, if you if you're a um, a connoisseur of pollo tropical and pollo tropical in South Florida is kind of like Kentucky Fried Chicken is, you know, uh, and you guys, a Friday night, a Friday evening, I mean, the places are packed because people are stopping on the way home to get, you know, meals for the family, and, you know, you might have a pretty long wait, you know, to to get your, get get whatever it is you, you came there to get, because the lines are long, the drive throughs are uh, packed, and this is all over South Florida, but okay, so I'm digressing, but anyway, so now, the food turns out to be pretty bland here in Georgia because not a lot of Hispanic people are working at the the three or four Pollo Tropicals that I visited. One's in Cumming, the other is in Alpharetta, and then there's the one in um, in uh, near the Mall of Georgia in Beaufort. So, but all three of these have been lackluster at best in terms of you know uh, tasting like. Uh, like what I would find if I were in Carroll City, or um, or or uh, or in, or in Pembroke Pines, or or Fort Lauderdale. So immediately I look back in the back of the restaurant in Buford, and I don't see any Spanish people. And so I say to the cashier, who's black, a black woman, I said, you know, uh, the food simply does not taste. You, you know, you. You have these surveys, and you know I gotta let you guys know um, that your food doesn't taste as authentic 
and nearly as good. It's not nearly as properly seasoned as it is in South Florida. And I said, you guys need to get some Spanish people in here to prepare this food because the way it's being prepared now, you guys aren't going to last very long. And in fact, the store in Cummings is closed down because, you know, the food's like extremely bland. So, or was, and guess who complained about that? Me. Oh, yeah. Started a big uproar. So now here I am in the store, and the black lady says, oh, I am just so offended. And I looked at her, and I said, you know, I, I don't give a damn if you're offended or not. You know, get some Spanish people in here to prepare this food, or you guys aren't going to last long because the food is bland all to be damned. So now the black manager walks up, and he wants to know, you know, well, what do I think? And I told him what I thought. I told him, I said, you need some Spaniards in here. You need some Hispanic people in here. You got a bunch of black folks over there. I see a white dude over there. They don't know how to prepare Pollo Tropical. You're probably using, you know, a canned recipe. But, you know, it's all in the seasoning. I mean, you know, no offense, but a white person from Connecticut is not going to prepare collard greens and black-eyed peas and chitlins the way a southern black woman would. It's just not going to just not not going to not going to happen. So that you need to have the proper people preparing the proper food. So oh my god, you would have thought I was I I I I I said, you know, fire yell fire or 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 that I I was I was going to shoot the place up. Everybody was offended, and I was so happy that they were. I mean, it just made my day. And so that's how I got uh, the idea for, for tonight's broadcast. I thought political correctness has run amok. Now, of course, my behavior, to be fair, was in the extreme. <laughs> I mean, I did. I said what I said completely on purpose and knew exactly what I was saying, and it was meant to be. But, you know, there's not, I mean, but but your average person who just says something, you know, benign and someone becomes offended by it, well, that's a sad part. So, without further ado, let's start the show. Please call in if you feel like it. If you don't call in today, call in Monday when we broadcast, because we broadcast Monday through Thursday, 8 to 9 p.m. On blogtalkradio.com. All right, the call in number is 646-668-8678. So, politically correct language by George Carlin. Once you listen to this, tell me what you think. I mean, really, take some time and consider what Carlin's saying. Because it's really interesting. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Political correctness is America's newest form of intolerance, and it's especially pernicious because it comes disguised as tolerance. Political correctness is avoiding words or behaviors that exclude, marginalize, or insult groups of people who are socially disadvantaged or discriminated against. Basically, treating people with respect. It presents itself as fairness, yet attempts to restrict and control people's language with strict codes and rigid rules. I'm not sure that's the way to fight discrimination. I'm not sure silencing people or forcing them to alter their speech is the best method for solving problems that go much deeper than speech. Perhaps you've noticed that when the politically correct liberal rule makers decide to rename a group of humans they view as victims, they begin by imparting a sense of shame to the group's existing name. And so somewhere over the years, the word cripple has been discarded. No one mentions cripples anymore. That's because in yet another stunning attempt to stand reality on its head, cripples have been assigned a new designation, the physically challenged. The use of physically challenged is an obvious attempt to make people feel better. The idea being, as long as we can't cure these people, let's give their condition a more positive name and maybe it'll distract everyone. 
The same is true of the ungainly phrase, differently abled. I believe that if a person is going to insist on using tortured language, such as differently abled, then he should be forced to use it to describe everyone. You can do things I can't do. I can do things you can't do. We're all differently abled. It should be explained to liberals, patiently, that crippled people don't require some heroic designation. It's a perfectly honorable condition. It appears in the Bible. Jesus healed the cripples. He didn't engage in rehabilitative strategies to improve the conditions of the physically disadvantaged. Can't these liberals hear how unattractive this language is? How poorly it sits on the ear? Then there are those who don't quite measure up to society's accepted standards of physical attractiveness. The worst of that group are called ugly, or at least they used to be. The PC lingo cops have been working on this, too. And to demonstrate how far all this politically correct, evasive language has gone, some psychologists are actually now referring to ugly people as those with severe appearance deficits. Okay? Severe appearance deficits. Regarding people's appearance, the political language police already have in place one comically distorted term, lookism. They say that when you judge a person, or rather size them up, wouldn't want to judge someone, that would be judgmental. If you take their looks into account, you're guilty of lookism. You're a lookist. And those valiant people who fight lookism, many of them unattractive themselves, tell us that one problem is that in our society, those who get to be called beautiful and those who are called ugly are determined by standards arbitrarily set by us. Somehow there's some fault attached to the idea that we, the people, are the ones who set the standards of beauty. Well, we're the ones who have to look at one another, so why shouldn't we be the ones who set the standards? I would say the whole thing was stupid, but that's my next topic. So, it's important to face one thing about stupidity. We can't get away from it. It's all around us. It doesn't take a team of professional investigators to discover that there are stupid people in the world. Where do these stupid people come from? Well, they come from American schools. But while they're attending these schools, they never identified as stupid, which may be contributing to the problem. Unfortunately, kids, stupid or otherwise, come under a sort of protective umbrella we've established that prevents them from being exposed to the real world until at 18 their parents spring them on the rest of us, full grown. There are stupid kids. And I do wish to be careful how I negotiate the minefield of the learning disabled and the developmentally disadvantaged. In other words, those with special needs. All of these being more examples of this tiresome and ridiculous language. One of the terms now used to describe these stupid kids is minimally exceptional. Can you handle that? Minimally exceptional. Whatever happened to the old reliable explanation? The boy is slow. Some of the other children are quick. They think quickly. Not this boy. He's slow. It seems humane enough to me. But no, he's minimally exceptional. Political correctness cripples discourse, creates ugly language, and is generally stupid. This language renders completely useless at least one perfectly good expression. In the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, becomes, in the kingdom of the visually impaired, the partially sighted person is fully empowered. Sad, isn't it? All right, welcome back to the Dr. C. Robert Jones. Situation report. So now, are we all up to speed now on what is inappropriate? Huh? How about this? You're not stupid. You're a minimal. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. If you're not stupid, you're minimally exceptional. <laughs> Oh, man, you cannot make this shit up. I first became um, uh, aware of uh, politically incorrect uh, language when Gloria Steinem 
was in charge of the National Organization for Women. She was in charge of the National Organization for Women. And she, and I'll never forget this as long as I live, she labeled a woman who was, who is pregnant as, you ready? Parasitically repressed. You heard me right. A woman who is pregnant is parasitically repressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, 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 things have gotten way out of hand, and we're going to explore this just a little bit more. I mean, we're talking some serious crazy going on here. And you know what? Those of us who grew up in the 50s, not me, I came around in 62, so I'm just barely out of there. But listen, in the 60s, in the 70s, um, we didn't have to deal with this. We could pretty much say you're a cripple or you're slow or that person is a retarded, retarded. We didn't go with retard because we weren't really doing the half words or acronyms at that stage. So if you were retarded, we called you retarded, you know, and (laughs) PC, political correctness has just gone completely, completely wild. Mhm. A progressive's guide to political correctness. I got a book. I've got a book um, by George Will entitled "The the the, um, po- the Progressive's Guide to Political Correctness." And now I have a video of George um, talking about political correctness because a lot of you guys are seen in the news. A lot of a lot of you folks are seen in the news. Maybe I shouldn't say guys because that's not inclusive of everybody because it's guys. Um, maybe I should say um, everyone. That is that politically correct? Because I I said you know you guys, so maybe that was insensitive. Well, am I being insensitive? So listen, let, check this out because you know there was a whole there's a whole lot of talk about over the last couple of years, three or four years about um, removing uh, Robert E. Lee's from um, schools, uh, roads, removing Jefferson Davis Highway, highway in, 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 uh, in, in Northern Virginia, uh, and all those different things because they're racist, racist and offensive, removing uh, uh, Confederate Civil War monuments because they, they're, they're racist and offensive to some groups. Remember all that? Well, it hasn't died down yet. So so I'd like for you to listen to this clip by George Will and think about this. If we ever get to this point, which we're which we're we're approaching right now, listen to this and then give pause and give thought to how crazy this whole thing is in terms of how far political correctness has has just it, it's it's cra- it's crazy. The only thing I can think of is crazy. Is that politically insensitive? Is that is that how indignant can progressives make themselves? There's a real competition going on, and it's sweeping the nation. Progressive versus progressive, competing to see who can most flamboyantly claim to be offended, to proclaim that their feelings have been hurt, or that their sensitivities have been rubbed raw, or their serenity disturbed, or their composure discombobulated by something that someone has said, or by something they have seen, such as a Confederate flag, or a building named after Woodrow Wilson. But, actually, I think progressives are not sufficiently imaginative. There are many more things they could be indignant about, starting with where I live, Washington, D.C. The Washington Post newspaper is, if it will pardon the expression, on the warpath against the name of the Washington Redskins football team. The paper says the name is racist, insulting, demeaning, insensitive, and so on. But the Washington Post takes its name from its city, 
which is named for George Washington, who was not only a slave owner, he was a tobacco farmer, which some progressives probably think is almost as awful. Surely the Post should change its name and should demand that the nation's capital be renamed, perhaps as Eleanor Roosevelt City. Obviously, it cannot be named for her husband, he who ordered the internment of 117,000 persons of Japanese descent, two-thirds of whom were native-born American citizens. And there are hundreds of other towns, counties, parks, and schools named for Washington, such as Washington and Lee University. Good grief, the name is double hate speech. Robert E. Lee actually commanded the Confederate Army. Washington is not the only name progressives should scrutinize. The word Oklahoma is a compound of two words from the Choctaw language, words meaning red and people. If it is intolerable to have a football team named Redskins, it must be worse to have a state named Red People. But let's get back to cleansing America of all mentions of historic figures who were less than perfect progressives. On the Tidal Basin in Washington, there's a memorial to the slave-owning Thomas Jefferson. This memorial should have a trigger warning carved into its marble. Jacksonville, Florida, and Jackson, Mississippi, and many other places and things are named for Andrew Jackson, the tormentor of Native Americans. All must be renamed for someone who was saintly, as progressives understand saintliness. And speaking of saints... Surely good progressives are traumatized by the names of St. Louis, St. Petersburg, San Diego, San Antonio, not to mention Corpus Christi. Progressives like it when courts rule that non-denominational prayers at high school graduations violate the separation of church and state. Why, then, don't they consider it a constitutional outrage that there are cities named for religious figures, including Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco? That city is, if progressives will pardon the expression, the Vatican of American progressivism. Progressives should demand that all such cities be renamed for progressive saints. Tony Bennett could sing, I left my heart in Nancy Pelosi City. Or we could give these places names that give no offense because they have no meaning. Joseph Nippenberg is an American rarity, a sensible professor. His droll suggestion is that we spare progressives from discomfort by giving cities and buildings the kind of meaningless names that are given to car models, names such as Acura and Elantra and Centra. And what about the state flag of hyper-progressive Massachusetts? Its flag depicts a Native American holding, brace yourself, a bow and arrow, a weapon, Surely progressivism sensitivity police cannot permit this depiction. It reinforces the hurtful stereotype of Native Americans as less than perfectly peaceful people. Minnesota, too, should hang its head in shame. Its state seal depicts a pioneer tilling a field and a Native American riding away and carrying a spear. Any progressive can see that this seal conveys multiple racial slurs. The spear, another weapon, another stereotype of Native Americans as violent. The Native American riding away is stigmatized as nomadic, hence unproductive, whereas the farmer who is white is industrious. So, the seal communicates subliminal slander, the coded message of white superiority. Who knew that Minnesotans who have voted Democratic in 10 consecutive elections since 1972 embrace white supremacy. I could go on, but you get the picture. Still, you should feel sorry for the progressive sensitivity enforcers. Those who constantly find reason to take offense are rarely happy people. The problem, however, is that such people make almost everyone else miserable too. I'm George Will for Prager University. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, Click here. Welcome, everyone, to Comedy Night at University College. Let's be very considerate to our first comedian, Jason Berkelman. All right. What a good-looking crowd we have tonight. Yeah. Don't judge us based on any prevailing oppressive beauty norms. Oh, okay. Sorry for that. Anyway, I just broke up with my girlfriend. Yeah. Your heteronormative relationship. 
relationship is exclusionary and prejudicial. Okay, um, so I, uh, I just flew in, guys, and the snacks on airplanes. <laughs> What, are you allergic to peanuts? Your flying was on a list of trigger warnings we sent you. Who are these people? We're the victims of your hate speech. We'll need to secure a safe place for our protesters. They seem angry. And here we go with the tone policing. Acknowledge your white privilege. I was going to with some of my jokes. Like this one. I went on vacation in Jamaica. Racist. With my dad. Patriarchist. He smoked pot, guys. It's funny. Mansplain the bigot. Jason, there's at least eight different genders in the audience right now. They're not all guys. Well, that, that, now I feel like I can't say anything. Of course you can, Jason. This is a free speech zone. Okay. Huh. All right, so uh, what else is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> you get the picture, don't you? Yeah, you get you get the you get the picture. Um, where do these people come from? Who were their parents? What in the world has happened to not? I'm not going to say America because a lot of Americans are not, you know, into this whole thing. You know, I I will admit that there have been times where I decided I was going to watch what I said, be very careful about how I expressed myself around some people. But that shit went away real fast. And I more than made up for it the next time. You know, one big reason why uh, Donald Trump won the presidency, in my opinion, is that he is not at all politically correct. And that a vast number of American citizens voted for him, this is just my opinion, because he was not politically correct. He, 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 he refused to be. And a lot of Americans who are like him and like me refuse to bow to political correctness. So without further ado, let's go down the list of some of the most absurd, absurd examples of political correctness. Let's start with number 10. Number 10. Washington State Prison. Washington State Prison, folks, now refers to inmates as, you'll never guess, students. Inmates in Washington State Prison are referred to as students. Now, there's no question that the word prisoner or inmate, or convict, has negative connotations. It's supposed to. That's one incentive for people to avoid breaking the law and then going to prison so they don't end up with those labels. But the Washington State Department of Corrections has taken things to an absurd level by now referring to inmates as students. The change, in, the change in policy occurred last fall, and they noted uh, – the Department of Corrections noted that it now applies to all inmates, including the so-called Green River Killer. Gary Ridgway is now a student at the Washington State Penitentiary. Now, Gary Ridgway, if you don't know – was the most or is the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. He may have killed more than 90 people. Ridgway is now a student at Walla Walla Washington State Penitentiary because to call him a prisoner or an inmate is demeaning. Number nine. Students debate removing famous 
Martin Luther King quote because it isn't gender inclusive. That's right. Martin Luther King's famous I Have a Dream speech in Washington in 1963 has been hailed as one of the greatest speeches in American history. Featuring the line, quote, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, end quote. But, according to National Review student leaders at the University of Oregon, they considered removing that quote, which has been displayed on a wall at the student center since 1985, because it does not, listen to me, it does not address discrimination based on gender identity. <laughs> Can't make this shit up. According to the campus newspaper, the student leaders eventually decided not to remove the quote after some hard thought. Yeah, you heard me. The quote in that was <laughs> 1963. It does not address discrimination based on gender identity. Number eight, Air Force officer warns use of boy and girl is offensive. A senior officer at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio sent an email to base personnel warning against the use of many words or terms that may be construed offensive. According to a Fox News report, among the banned words were boy and girl. The quote is, please be cognizant that such conduct is 100% zero tolerance in or outside of the work climate. The email read, several school districts around the U.S. have discouraged or banned the use of the boy-girl word in recent years. And we're banning words, folks, because somebody doesn't like Another person using a word, so it's banned. You can't use this word, and if you do, there will be consequences. Using the word boy and girl, that's bad. Don't use them. Imagine, this years from now, maybe two years or three years from now, there's going to be somebody going through books and Xing out words or replacing Word neutral words, <laughs> meaning neutral words, I guess. All right, number seven, college bans term freshman, claiming it promotes rape. North Carolina's Elon University banned the term freshman, saying it is sexist and might promote sexual violence. The preferred term used in new student orientation now is first year. I'm a first year. I'm not a freshman. Okay. Number six. Seattle police can't use the word suspect in reports. Mm -mm. Nope, nope, nope. Seattle police department officers who fill out reports can no longer use the word suspect. Instead, they must use the term, oh my God, you ready, you ready for this shit? Okay, they must use the term community member. So if I'm a suspect in a robbery, or, or theft of some kind, or rape, or murder, I'm not a suspect. I'm a community member. The change first reported by Seattle Media in early 19, uh, 2017 has upset many police officers who must use the term 
even in use of force reports. After three officers were shot responding to an armed robbery in April, they were required to refer to the shooter as a community member and not a suspect. Someone stated, I think this is all in an effort to make sure our report writing sounds politically correct. Seattle police officers uh, uh, guild Kevin Stuckey told uh, KIRO7 TV. Hmm. So, people who commit crimes in Seattle are no longer suspects. They are community members. That's How nice is that? All right. Number five, Princeton University bans the use of man. They ban the use of of man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Many people would agree that there are certain words and phrases where man might not be the best fit. For example, terms such as businessman, fireman, policeman, spokesman can easily be replaced by business person, firefighter, police officer, and spokesperson to reflect the fact that women all perform those roles. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with that. These words have become an acceptable part of our culture. But someone always takes it too far. Princeton University is taking the man removal mission to another level. According to uh, thecollegefix.com, Princeton's HR department in 2016 issued a four-page, four-whole pages memo banning the use of man. So instead of the phrase man and wife, facility members are expected to use spouses or partners. Man-made becomes artificial. Workman-like becomes skillful. And layman should be replaced by non-specialist. Wow. Number four, doctors groups discourage the use of, of the term expected mother. Yeah, listen to this. The U.S. isn't the only country where political correctness has spiraled out of control. The British Medical Association told its members in 2017 that the term expectant mother should be avoided because it might offend transgendered people. Instead, the preferred term is pregnant people? Huh. Pregnant people? (laughs) Okay, but women's rights activist Laura Perines told the Daily Mail the action is anti-science, anti-woman, and anti-mother. This will offend women up and down the country, she said. It is an example of the majority of women being insulted for a tiny minority of people. But isn't that always the case, folks? A few people are insulted. But the majority of people are insulted because a few people are insulted by the fact that – oh, my God. I can't even – all right. Number three, university bans the use of the phrase politically incorrect. (laughs) Listen to me. There's a university, the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, declared the phrase politically incorrect as taboo. Over time, PC has become a way to deflect and say that people are being too sensitive. And police language, yes, reads a poster created by the university, uh, the university's, the university's inclusive excellence center. I guess it's inclusive. But it's exclusive when it comes to words that the inclusive people don't like, such as it is disconnected from authentic understanding of impact, they say. What the hell does that mean? 
Let me me read that again. It is disconnected from authentic understanding of impact. Now, I consider myself to be a relatively smart guy. I can't understand what the hell that means. Does anybody understand what that means? I'm going to read it one more time. Disconnected from authentic understanding of impact. Hmm. Roll that around for a little bit. Use of the PC term is considered a microaggression. What in the hell is that? Microaggression. All right. Number two, teacher's course. Now, you think I'm going to, you'll be thinking right now that, you know, he's making this shit up. All right. Check this out. Number two, teacher's course claims math is a dehumanizing tool. Math is a dehumanizing tool. In the summer of 2017, middle school math teachers can take an online course entitled Teaching Social Justice. Teaching Social Justice through secondary mathematics. Ah, not reading, writing, arithmetic anymore. We're teaching social justice through secondary Mathematics. According to campusreform.org, the concepts include recognizing that for centuries, mathematics has been used as a dehumanizing tool, and math is a powerful tool for advocacy or oppression. Two, one plus one is two. I'm going to oppress your ass. Two plus two is four. Get your black ass out the dough. That kind of oppression. All right. The six-week course developed by Teach for America and offered through um, edX also explores... Mathematical identity. What the fuck is that? Mathematical identity, which raises the issue that when we think of renowned mathematicians, many of us, many of us re- reference educated Western white males. Who can you get a lot more? Anything more out of? Out of, out of uh, uh, one times one is one. Hmm. Google. The word Google, that's a mathematical term. That must be racist all to be damned. Number one. Rise in the use of gender neutral subjects and pronouns. This trend has been around for a couple of years now to avoid offending transgender students by referring to them as he, him, his, or she, her, hers, so on. Students and teachers at some schools are expected to use gender-neutral terms. I'm not making this up. Listen carefully. The czar, zers, 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 and zex, zexum, xers. <laughs> you think I'm making this up, don't you? No, you really. But no, no, no. I'm reading it right here. Okay, <laughs> let's do this one again. All right. The trend has been around for a couple of years now. Rise in the use of gender-neutral subjects and pronouns. This term has been around for a couple of years now to avoid offending. I don't give a fuck about offending transgender people. But there's some people who are very sensitive to that sort of thing, and frankly, I don't give a damn. But anyway, but I'm going to have a lot of fun with it right now. Okay, so listen. 
to avoid offending transgender students by referring to them as he, him, his, or she, her, or hers, to avoid offending them by using those pronouns, students and teachers at some schools are expected to use gender-neutral terms, the, czars, zers, the, zer, zers, and x, that's an e, an x-e, uh, and then xum, and then xers. What the fuck? No, it's you boy, you girl, me Tarzan, you Jane. Okay, in 2015, it is recommended that instructors ask students which pronoun they prefer. Yeah, that'll never happen. Mm-mm. So those are just a few examples, and we could, if we had time, go into the fact that Dennis the Menace is no longer a menace. He's a really nice little guy. He doesn't carry around that damn slingshot in his back pocket because that's a weapon. Punch and Judy. Remember Punch and Judy? It's been around for centuries. You heard me? Did you heard me? Punch and Judy. Been around for centuries. But in Great Britain, banned. In some other countries, European countries, banned. No longer after centuries because guess what? Punch and Judy used to throw down. And that, mm, that's inappropriate hitting. <laughs> that sets a bad example because that's inappropriate hitting. What sort of hitting is appropriate, I wonder? I guess if you're slapping somebody on the ass or something like that while you're, you know, engaged in some sort of a, well, you know what I mean. Okay, and so let's let's go through a couple more really briefly. Brainstorming, brainstorming, in brain dumped, brain dump, brainstorming. You may already be spotting a pattern here, folks. Another example of political correctness taken too far and another counsel behind the decision. This time it was a school in Kent in, uh, in, 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 in the UK, and they banned the term brainstorming and replaced it with thought showers. For fear of offending, for listen to me, for fear of offending epileptics. I don't give a. Do you care about offending epileptics? I mean, if you said brainstorming and some damn somebody standing next to you who's an epileptic, hell, I can barely say it. He's offended. I'm like, you know what, man? Fuck you. Seriously, you're offended. Get out of here. I've been using too much foul language today, but today I've been hanging around a lot of tough guys, a lot of Marines and and military personnel. So please forgive me for the foul language. It's just rubbed off on me today. Tomorrow I'll be all right, and Monday I'll be back to normal. But today I am not going to be politically correct. If you don't like the use of the F word or any of those other words and just move on down the road because I will I don't give a damn I'm not politically correct. Okay, so now Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. Mm-mm. Not politically correct because it's racist. And it has racist or inappropriate language in it. Inappropriate language. You see where we're going here, folks? No more superheroes. Mm-mm. They've been banned because we have defined violent characters as those who solve problems using violence. So superheroes in the UK have been banned because they solve problems by kicking ass and taking names. We can't have that. So where are we with all this while we just have a couple of minutes left? The world has become a crazy place where we are banning speech or discouraging speech, just general speech. At some point, folks, it's going to get so bad where actual words are going to be banned, and 
I I envision a time, a very sad time in our in 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 our development where one could be arrested for using words that very few find offensive. I, you know, I, and I wouldn't put it past liberals if they take over. If they if they ever we ever have like say another president who is a um is a Democrat, a liberal president, and then have a liberal Congress and a liberal Senate and a liberal uh, 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 Supreme Court all at the same time. I can envision a time where certain words will be banned and punishable. Criminally, uh, there'll be a criminal, criminal liability for using certain words or uttering certain phrases. Can't you see that that's where we're headed? Isn't that not scary to you? And how do you feel about standing next to a person and having to be having to edit your words and in some cases even your thoughts for fear, fear of insulting or offending another person? It didn't used to be that way. But now, things have gotten bad, folks, and it's a crazy world. Thank you for listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We'll be back on Monday. I know there are plenty of things you could be doing besides listening to my show, and you turn, you're turn, you tuned in. And, you know, I've been, I was away for quite some time, and now I'm back, and my show is, 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 is doing better than ever, and I really do appreciate it, and it's all thanks to you. Um, have a great weekend. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. I'm out. Good night, folks. Yes, he did. Hear me, brotherhood.